Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, officially afternoon here on the East Coast. Uh, listeners of Chud.com. My name is Nick Nunziata. It is my heinous playground that you guys have discovered this thing through. We're having a very special podcast today, uh, one that we've been talking about and trying to plan for quite some time, and one that's finally coming to fruition, um, the official B-movie discussion podcast. We've got three luminaries from that community who will be running the show today, and hopefully we'll have a few of you callers in. I'm going to bring in three gentlemen, Mike, Eric, and, and Rennie, who are going to uh, introduce yourself. Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, my name is Mike Flynn. I am a student at a local liberal arts college up in North New Jersey uh, called Ramapo College. And uh, I'm, uh, I've been a huge film buff all my life. Uh, I discovered you guys, I'd say I became like a diehard reader like three years ago. And I was immediately engulfed by you guys with the uh, with the essentials list. And it was at the time that I had Netflix Nighthawks, and I think it was before <laughs> I read the list. <laughs> That's a hell of a and, start. And I was like, holy shit, this thing, this is awesome. And uh, then I got to the It's Your Uncommon Valor article and was laughing my ass off. <laughs> awesome. And I, I was... I was pissing myself, and that's where I discovered your, and it was all downhill. Oh, yeah, yeah. So a little bit about the thread. It, it is currently standing at just under 2.5 million page views. It's got a little over 65,000 posts, and it is really its own animal. I'm going to bring um, another gentleman on. I believe this is Ren, uh, Rennie here. Is this Rennie? Is this Rennie? Are you there, my friend? I don't know. Well, I'm here. But Are you there now? Ready? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. Tell us a little about yourself, sir. Sure. Um, well, I graduated college about three years ago. I'm currently in the education profession. I'm a teacher. And uh, like, just like Mike, I've been a huge film buff ever since I can remember. And, uh, well, I discovered Chud about 2005, actually. Uh, I was actually perusing another website, Bloody Disgusting, and they were running a, a piece on Slither. And uh, that actually linked me to you all, and ever since, I would say, around November of 2005, I've been reading you all, and then I joined up in January, and, well, I haven't looked back. Awesome. Awesome, man. And I believe this is Eric here. Eric, you there? Yep, this is me. Um, I'm calling from Bolivia. Uh, yeah, quick uh, quick thing. I, I discovered Chud. Uh, I don't remember the exact. I'm, I'm not as good as these gentlemen over here what exactly it was, uh, it was some article that was linked from another site, and uh, I clicked onto it, I think it was a review, this must have been, I guess, 2002 or something like that, uh, and I uh, linked into the article, thought it was really funny, really well written, but I can't remember why, I can't remember what it was, I think it was a review of Spider-Man or something, uh, and it was, uh, it was just really well written, and I started looking at the whole site and thought it was just great, and... Uh, Eventually, I got around to the, to the message board community, where I have discovered uh, some of the most intelligent people I've met on the internet, and just fun people to talk to. A little background information about myself: uh, much like Rennie, I'm also a school teacher, uh, but that's what I do to earn a living. Well, what I'm actually, what I actually am, is an independent filmmaker and musician. I'm, I'm sort of trying to get that that going, see if it works out for me. But, uh, yeah, lo love B-movies, love, uh, love the B-action movie thread, love Chad.com, and really happy to be a part of this today. Well, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of uh, take a back seat and let Mike run the show here. We've already got two callers in the queue, so we've filled up all of our phone lines for now. So what I suggest you guys do to start off, Mike, is, uh, is uh, whatever preliminary discussion you want, and as soon as you want to go to callers, you let me know. I know I've got Elvis on hold, and I don't know who else, but we've got somebody from the 408 area code. So... Uh, you know, we, we're, we're on an hour schedule here, so uh, let's have some fun and uh, good luck. All right, awesome. All right, so I guess what we should start with was, um, and Eric brought this up when we were discussing this, the, the whole influx of how surprisingly good direct-to-video action movies are getting lately. Uh, in 
specific blood and bone Universal Soldier regeneration, the undisputed sequels. I still have not seen the third one. Please don't kill me. You need to. Yeah, I know. But, you know, regeneration was pretty awesome. I must admit that. Uh, you know, it was yeah, I was really surprised by regeneration. Yeah, the uh, Lundgren, I mean, was a... Uh, it was great chaser to the Spendables. Right, well, I think, I'll, I'll go back to, to Regeneration for a second. Uh, what I was really surprised, if you guys recall, when we when we discussed it on the B-thread, uh, like showing photos and stuff like that, just talking about when, when it was coming out, I don't think anybody expected it to be a, a good movie, quote-unquote. I mean, I, I don't think anyone expected that. I mean, we were all going to watch it. We all thought it would be fun. But uh, I think when it finally did come out, uh, what John Himes had done and what they what they did there was something that that was so um, I mean it was just so surprisingly slick on the, on the low budget that they used and it was actually just a really entertaining really well done action film with uh, really great beats and actually solid performances even Van Damme and Lundgren were great and it, it, it was just a really good time I, I don't think anybody expected it it was a I'm not gonna say it was better than the original or anything like that, but but it was it was actually really really solid as a sequel being DTV. I mean, it could have been theatrical. It was that good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and John really takes after his dad. I mean, you can see the magic he had with Outland and running scared going on. And I, I, I think yeah, someone just a throwback suggested in the thread that John Hines should direct that Outland remake that's been bouncing around over at Warner. Yeah, what, what's the status on that anyway? The, 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 the talking about the Outland remake. I think if I think John Hyams, I, I mean, I, I hope people are paying attention because uh, first John Hyams, it's just been one movie, but it was really impressive. It showed that he's got the chops uh, to do oh, yeah. a theatrical action picture. The, the, and um, and Isaac Florentine now again, disputed ones. I think these are these are guys that if they were working in Hollywood, they'd give us some good quality action films that don't have all the shaky cam that actually are shot well coherently that are, you know, fun to watch um, and just have that nice classic style to them that I think has been missing from action films lately. And I think that uh, Michael J. White should just change his name to Ass Kicker because that's all he does in his movies. <laughs> well, yeah, I know that he's, um, it's, it's him and uh, Scott Adkins, right, in the Undisputed films that uh, are reminding me a lot of in the 90s, you know, we, we had Van Damme, and I, I think that Scott Adkins and... Michael J. White are sort of picking up that mantle, and what I saw in, in Blood and Bone and in the Undisputed sequels was that it was the, the kick-ass like action films that we haven't really seen since the '90s when we had in the Van Damme's heyday. Um, the, the, those kinds of like just straight-up tournament action films. Uh, Blood and Bone, well, not Blood and Bone, but the, the Undisputed films reminded me a bit of, of Bloodsport, for example, and and kick, well, yeah. kickboxing, Bloodsport. Anyway. Yeah, there's there's definitely a blood sport type vibe, although those movies don't have an ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> Getting kicked in the face by Sam Um Yeah, yeah, there's definitely definitely not enough ogre going on in there. There, there is no ogre. Can we can we please call him Donald Gibb as he deserves with all the respect in the world? Donald Gibb. Okay. Is he related to Cynthia Gibb? Or is that just? <laughs> I, was... I think Cynthia Gibb's also in Bloodsport, isn't she? He's actually the lost BG. Oh, he's the lost BG. Yeah, he, he, he has quite the falsetto voice. <laughs> yeah, no, the, yeah let, let's call him Donald. You're right. Let's, let's show him the respect he deserves. Donald where, where is he? Has he, he apparently has he been was in Hancock, which I did not see. He was like, in Hancock? Yeah, he was had like a thankless role as a convict or something. I remember seeing this on the IMDb. The thing is, I remember that I watched Hancock, but I don't remember anything else about the experience except the fact that I sat in a theater and watched it. So I can't, I can't be, um, I guess I can't be blamed for for forgetting that Donald Gibb was in it. But he, is he one of the guys that gets his head shoved up the other guy's ass when the tune from Sanford and Son plays? Or I mean, I, I, I would I, assume that he is. I would not like to think he is, but I assume he is, because uh, Donald Gibbs does not deserve that type of uh, smackdown. 
Well, I, no, but I, yeah, I don't remember Donald Kim in the movie. I, but, uh, but yeah, I, I remember there was a thing with people, somebody getting his head shoved up, another guy's ass, Sanford and Son plays, and then, I don't know, that's all I, I don't remember Hancock at all. I, I also remember that the original title of Hancock was Tonight He Comes, and I still don't understand why it's called that. But, but I think they should have totally gone with it. And Michael Mann, to think he was going to make it. If, if Michael Mann had made it, it probably would have been called Tonight He Comes. Um, I, I don't know if it, it and, and I'm still wondering why, does anybody know why the original title of the film is Tonight He Comes? Because, I, 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 I mean, it's just, it's fun, Tonight He Comes. <laughs> well, it was like the party at Kitty and Studs. They uh, <laughs> had porn elements in the script. But, uh, of course, when Will Smith and Charlie Theron signed on, they had to drop them. I, I, this is Nick. I honestly think that what had happened was somebody had written a script that was purchased, that was called that, that evolved considerably to, be, to where it became Hancock. And it was just a matter of there was a script out there that was called Tonight He Comes that was a superhero thing that was a little bit atypical. And they bought it, and then they tweaked the living daylights out of it, and then it became Hancock. And that's oh, okay. well, I, I, what always happens. In the yeah, but yeah I, still, I still think Tonight He Comes is just such a funny title that I, don't know, I, mean, I just wish, I wish it had been called that just for the sake of it. Just, it's funny. It's a funny title. Yeah, it's right. the only film in history that's and, and born spoof with less comes just... to Hancock, which is also like, I mean, it makes you think of masturbation. So, I'll, I mean, yeah. if you're still thinking of ejaculation with either title. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. It just it just never ends, the, uh, the, the suggestive content of it. Yeah, I didn't see Hancock, but I know the ending, and the ending just sounds really wacky, you know? That, so. is, an a, that is an A movie, though. Hancock. Oh, that is, really? That is not a B movie. That is 2A. That is a shitty A movie. Okay. All right, well, I mean, on V-Thread, we often, we often discuss A movies, too, that maybe maybe because they deserve to be B movies. Well, yeah, actually, Hancock, Hancock is no movie. better. With a title like oh. Hancock, it could be a B movie. Or tonight he comes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Randy, did you like Hancock? Yeah. yeah. It was all right. Yes, you did, Randy. Come on. Uh, yeah, come on, come on. Come on. Hey, hey, I, I'll say this. I got it at Walmart with my PS3 remote. Okay, it came with it. I only paid, which means I only paid about $5 for it. So I can't argue there. It, it was all right, but the Indian was really crazy. Other than that, I mean, I can tell you right now, I don't really remember anything else in the movie. Yeah. Except the party gets laid. That's it. Yeah, I know, because I only ask because you're, you know, you're like the president of the Red Heat fan club worldwide. Most definitely. Which I don't understand. Red Heat's a good movie. It's not. It's just yeah, not. Do you mean that really or ironically? A little bit of both. Okay. So, uh, let's take a few callers. All right, we've got Elvis who's been on, on, on hold for quite some time. Here he comes. Elvis, welcome to the building. Hey, what's up? Not much, man. What's going on? Hey, I just wanted to say, uh, in defense of Hancock, that Stanford and Son little scene was a classic. That was, that was like, you know, it deserved a better movie. Let's put it that way. I don't understand why it's the theme from Stanford and Son, though. Like, I don't, I don't really. I mean, I guess it's because it's funny music. I, I, don't, I don't even remember the I couldn't Is make there something in Hancock where they use the uh, the censored version of a ludicrous song at the beginning? You remember a lot of Hancock for yeah, that's um, okay. I haven't seen it. I but I know about these details. I have this thing with me. You should see it then. I, I don't. I don't really because for someone who hasn't seen it, you know a lot more about it than I do, and I don't. I mean, and I actually watched it. So I, thought, I don't even um, remember that. So, Elvis, you did a couple of fantastic recasts in the recast thread that were pretty near and dear to our hearts over the action thread, uh, okay. especially the Terminator version. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that. The, the, just the idea of Governor Charles Bronson, just like, it, it, it just warms my heart. And did you see the comment I made? The... Uh, Twelve thousand came to me as if in a dream. Yeah, it, <laughs> and that would have led to President Bronson. I, th I think we'd be in Mad Max times if uh, Bronson became president, let alone governor. 
It would be, be a better world, that's for sure. I get this. Yes. Um, well, the, the recasts that you've been doing, uh, uh, Mike, on the on the recast threads, some of them have been, I mean, they've been pretty spectacular. I've, I've, I've seen that what's happened to that thread is that it's sort of become dominated by you and, and well, many. You guys, I mean, but, but mostly you. Like, you've really been going in there and doing some really interesting things with that recast thread. And, and yeah, that, that Terminator thing is pretty amazing. And, Reddy, when you went in with that, with that Flippy recast, I just died. That, that, that was, like, the epitome of you, William Signer and Michael C. Hall in the lead roles. Oh, yeah. Uh, for a little, uh, this is a little inside baseball. Can you uh, can you guys explain this recast thing? Uh, there's the a thread in the movie Miscellany uh, forum that is called Recast Your Favorite Movies 09 Edition, and it's like 15 pages of just various people. I've done them. Elvis has done them. Eric's and uh, Rennie have all done them. And all right, what's an what's an inspired one? What's an inspired one? Well, one of the first ones I did was a late 80s Watchmen directed by Paul Verhoeven. I'm trying to remember what it was. I had Jeff Bridges as Night Owl, Brad Doris as Warshock, Peter Weller as Dr. Manhattan, which was the one that a lot of people were very excited about. And he's already got a blue penis, which perfect. Yeah, I was outraged. <laughs> I was outraged there was no Richard Gere. Yeah, he, uh, he he prepared for his role by drinking those uh, disgusting breakfast shakes he has at the beginning of Shakedown every day. Does he listen to Hendrix? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does listen to Hendrix while he does it. I mean, he has to get in character for that role, so therefore... Uh, it led to that. <laughs> Actually, you know, Shakedown is a very that that movie in particular is indicative of that thread to me. That's like one of those films. That's probably the only place in the entire planet where a film like that can have a a second life. Yeah, well, the, the, the A-Wall Keith Nordyke loves that movie. Uh-huh. I literally well, I mean, know no one else outside of that thread that actually that uh, movie. Well, okay, me. I was a huge. Really? I owned it on every format it came out in, and it's not that great of a movie. But Peter Weller was just so energetic and, and perky in that movie. I couldn't help but fall in love with him. And then Sam Elliott playing his most Sam Elliottist characters. Yeah, I know. Um, do you guys want to bring in a new dude? You want to bring in a new dude? Yeah, we'll bring in a new dude. All right, All right um, I'm going to put you on hold, Elvis. I'm not going to hang up on you. So just hang tight, okay? Okay. Cool. Okay. Now we've got somebody from the 408. Hello? Hey. Who's this talkative gentleman? Uh, I'm Peter. I'm actually also one of the posters on the uh, boards under uh, Neo. Is uh, Neo Long? Yeah. Yeah, I met you before. Oh, hey, how's it going, man? Hey, Neo. Hey, You had the hilarious uh, Prince Henry Stout signature for a long time. Yes, yes, it is. Yes. Now listen, I, I just have to cut in here and say, how can we be, we've been on this for about 15 minutes now, and we have not brought up the Expendables, which I think should be the centerpiece of what we should be discussing in the inaugural uh, podcast of the V-Thread. So how have we gotten this far without, without talking about the Expendables a little bit? And let's, uh, let's kind of, I say we should discuss that. Because right. I actually got a chance to see it, so that's, I want to talk about it. So I saw the Expendables at midnight up here in Jersey, and... Within the first five minutes of Dolph Lundgren shooting that dude in half with a grenade launcher, the, the crowd just, like, lost it. There was, like, that was it. It was, like, the breaking point. Uh, I thought it was awesome. The shaky cam, eh, could have used a little less of that, but everybody was just insanely badass. Um, I loved it that Eric Roberts ended up the main bad guy. Uh, the also best use of a basketball since Deadly Friend. <laughs> okay, well, oh, right, okay, yeah. But hang on, you were talking about Shaky Cam a minute ago, which is a criticism I've noticed a lot. Now, uh, Nick, you're there, right? I'm here. Um, and, and I know you. I know you really dug the Expendables. Um, I did. Uh, both you and Ren Brown from uh, you, you gave it a pretty decent review, even though I don't know people still complained that you didn't give it a ten over ten or something. Right. But, um, but you, I mean, I know you loved it, and 
Uh, did you? I mean, did you have a problem with shaky cam? I don't understand. I mean, I don't recall any real shaky cam in the movie at all. I, I you know, there was this. It, it almost seemed like people were looking for something to complain about because, you know, I heard a lot of complaints about how how many close-ups Stallone used, and I heard a lot of complaints about the shaky cam and this and that. I mean, some of the effects weren't great, but. Bottom line is, is the movie did exactly what it intended to do, and if there's anybody in the world that wears their heart on their sleeve cinematically, it's Stallone. So you kind of just either either you buy into it or you don't. Of course, I buy into it, so it works. Right, because my only complaint about the movie is why does Stallone resemble RuPaul all of a sudden now with um, with Botox? Uh, the, the thing he's got with his eyebrows that was that was very disturbing to me. But uh, that that would be the only my only complaint. I thought the movie. In, I mean, it was a throwback to 80s action films, and I thought, I mean, I've talked to some people who've also seen it, and I complain, I hear, oh, well, the script is weak, or, um, well, the storyline is cliched. I'm like, did you watch any of these movies in the 80s? Did you watch them at all? I ask a guy, I ask a guy, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, the, uh, did you like Rambo for Blood Part 2? He's like, oh, no, I don't like that movie. Well, like, what, the, what the fuck are you even doing watching The Expendables? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Anyway. And, well, they marketed it very well, and they marketed it towards the they marketed it outside of the core demographic. So there was a lot of people that went in there expecting I don't know the born identity on steroids or something, and it's just not that. No, no not at all. That. that went on the basis that it was all these awesome people in it, and it was just a really great throwback. I don't know why so many people were expecting something more than that. I mean, I, I've been saying since the beginning that all Stallone needed to do is just. You know, like the old Canon film logo, and it would have been perfect. Yes. Yeah, I know, right? The Winter Tarantino there. and all these other guys always get, like, the rights to uh, to, to old-fashioned logos. I mean, it would have been yeah, awesome exactly. if, if you had Canon films appear with that old, like, the, you know, the, that logo coming together and that music, and that, that, that would have been amazing. That, that would have I, I would have loved the Calco logo at the beginning. Uh, I'm a Golden Globus guy myself. <laughs> Go, Golden Globus? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Golden Globus is pretty badass. <laughs> but, yeah, but that, uh, the, um, the, the thing about the Expendables, and, like, the complaints have been shaky cam, uh, too much CGI. But, yeah, like, like Nick was saying, I think people were sort of looking for something to complain about, in a way, because um, when I sat down to watch it, I, I, admittedly, I saw it about a month after it came out everywhere else, so I, I guess that's already sort of come in with preconceived notions. But... Um, it, it was essentially what I expected. I mean, it, it, it was. I was expecting a, a, a big dumb action movie like the like the ones we haven't seen since the eighties. That's pretty much what the film delivered. I don't. And Dolph Lundgren, I, I could hardly ever understand a word he was saying, but I but I thought he gave a very good performance. I, I don't. I don't think I, I. I know a single. I can remember a single line of dialogue because I don't understand anything he said. Uh, I, I think he. What did he? What is he? He says something when he when he blows away that guy at the beginning. He says something which is like a laugh line, but because he says it in this strange sort of drawl, I, I don't know what it was. But I laughed. I could hear it because the crowd was going so insane. He he says little low. He says little low. Yeah, first he says morning shot, then he says little low. Maybe I'm a street oh, okay. girl, so that's how I was able to you know understand what he was saying. That's possible. Maybe I, I, mean, I, sh I should have gone in like high on PCP or something. Maybe I would have understood all the dialogue. I'm, I'm going to bring uh, Elvis back on so he could give us his take on the Expendables. Here you go. Uh, I thought it was, you know, great, but I have to admit I saw it on a midnight, you know, show. We you know the audience was nuts. I don't know if I rewatch it on. It's going to hold up. I'm actually kind of afraid to do that. Oh, what do you well, mean? You're afraid to watch it sober, basically? Basically, yeah. But, you know, but Mickey was great. What can I say? And I was just, I, everything that Eric Roberts did cracked me up for some reason, you know? I was just, I was... Eric Roberts is that awesome. Yeah. And then he, he finally yeah. beat Julia, so, hey, you know, there's that. I, I think what, what I think, like, Eric Roberts, I, I think the whole cast was into it, but I, in particular, I thought Eric Roberts really embodied... Like, he understood they were making an 80s action movie, I think, better than anyone in that cast, because he, he basically played the, the cliché, every single line out of his, like, every line of dialogue out of his mouth is just stock villain dialogue from the 80s, every single line he says. But he sells it, 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 it works. So I, I did a recast, in the, the, the aforementioned recast thread, I, I recast it as an 80s film, like if it had been done in the 80s by canon, 
where I had Bronson in the in the Barney Ross role, right? And I thought like if they'd done that in '86, probably Kurtwood Smith would have played Eric Roberts' role, and it would have been exactly like that. I mean, I don't think a single line of dialogue would be different. Which was brilliant, Kurtwood Smith, man, as Monroe. That was that was like the uh, icing on the cake for the casting, I think. Yeah, and I guess in the 80s, the, the big thing that people complain about is, like, obviously there wouldn't have been a CGI, so, I mean, when the knife's sticking out of the guy's chest, it would have been a real, not a real knife, but, you know, it would have been done with, like, latex or something really cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I did a 70s recast, which was uh, Eastwood in the, as Barney Ross and uh, Sean Connery as Christmas. Yeah. That's a lot bigger budgeted, and like it's a little more prestige picture, I think, than than uh, than, 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 than what. But yeah, that's interesting too. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna okay, uh, Neil Long. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, let's give him let's give him the floor a little bit. I'm gonna, um, Elvis, I'm gonna disconnect you for now, just to see if there's anybody else trying to get through. Um, you're welcome to call back in. I just want to kind of keep this moving. We're we're at a 33 minute mark. I want to keep it flowing. All right, so uh, line is open now. Neil Long is still on. Uh, have at it, gents. Okay. Oh. Okay. Uh, you were saying? Oh, you were saying, Eric. Oh. Hi. Eric Star 80. I have not seen Star 80 yet, but I have seen the Pope of Greenwich Village. I mean, he, he's Great just movie. really... Yeah, that movie. A fantastic film. They took my son, Charlie! <laughs> <laughs> that movie is like a harbinger, though. It's like, if you're in the Pope of Greenwich Village, enjoy it, because you're doomed. Yeah. Like, those guys went, went went deep undercover for a while as far as having their careers working for them. Would you say that Burt Young is one of those people? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Much to my chagrin. Hey, we just got two two new callers call in. Um, that was in the Big Horror Part Two. What's up? Well, actually, I did want to have a discussion. This was more. Uh, this is a really quick thing pointed at Renee or Renny. I, I can't pronounce your name. God. Uh, he's been having a recurring bit in the thread about uh, Abel Ferrara's Fierce City, and there's a particular line that Michael V. Gazzo says that. Uh, it's just absolutely hilarious, and I wanted to have a round table back and forth imitation of that line. Well, I haven't seen it in years, so I'll let you guys feel that one. All right, who's going to yeah. go first? Me or you? I think I'll go first. Okay, go ahead. You're so ugly. She hurts my eyes. She wouldn't even give a hot dog to a red <laughs> <laughs> They should have coupled it with uh, the uh, sudden impact heart attack that he has. Uh, he saw the check. What was the actual line? Which uh, the line from your city? city? Yeah, what was the actual line? I never actually saw that movie, so I have no idea what you guys just well, said. She wouldn't, she wouldn't give her heart. She wouldn't. She would give a hard-on to a rapist, right? That's from Pure City. She couldn't give a hard-on to a rapist. Oh, that, right. that line. Oh, yeah, when he's talking to his daughter, right? Daughter. Uh, no, no it's, it's just some random girl in a strip club and... Yeah, like a fat woman. Yeah, <laughs> She really has a hard enough time. The, the samurai serial killer has been killing all the beautiful women like Maria Conchita Alonso, and then all of a yeah. sudden all they got is that fat woman does not fit at all in the film, the samurai serial killer. Uh, it worked in Dreamscape because that was actually sci-fi with David Patrick Kelly's character. It does not work in Fear City, and every time they cut to Tom Berenger's flashbacks of him killing that guy in the ring, I cringe. Other than that, it's a pretty good movie, but it's no Miss 45. New York. So uh, how about them callers? Okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to thank Neil Long for calling in. Uh, I'm gonna, and and I believe you are the 408. Am I correct with that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks so much for calling in. Okay. If we get yeah, on this regular on. basis, look forward to having you on again. Um, I've got somebody calling in from the 707. Here we go. 
And Hello. yeah, there we go. Here. Hey, Doctor T. Hello. Hello. I like Hello. to give my thoughts on the. Uh, I'd like to give my thoughts on the Expendables, if you please. Oh, please. Wait, please. Or just, just an observation, actually. Uh, I did. I did enjoy the movie mostly, but uh, I think, as some other people will agree, there are some just awful, awfully written lines in the movie, especially from Randy Couture. But. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's really it, the it, Olivier of our generation. Well, it, 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 his lines are really bad, but it doesn't bother me because it, because it's Sylvester Stallone. Uh, you can tell from interviews and stuff that Stallone is like such a uh, genuine person, and that shows through in his movies. That uh, uh, I don't know how you would explain it, but it, it doesn't. The lines they don't really bother me because they're uh, I don't know because uh, Sly writes uh, or whatever. You know. It, uh, you know what I'm talking about, Ed? Yeah, I... I, I no, cauliflower airline? Well, it's basically anything that Randy Couture said, oh, these guys are arrested development. Yeah. And then no yeah. one reacts to that line. The, he did, he just the thing with Randy Couture is that he shouldn't be acting at all. He, he doesn't have the capacity to deliver a line of dialogue. He uh, was okay at I, that I mean, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I didn't, actually haven't seen Red Belt, believe it or not. You can, I can confess that here right now. I have not seen Red Belt yet. I want to, and I will, but I haven't seen it yet. But I, Randy I, Couture, I, it was just, it was, it was almost painfully embarrassing to watch him in that movie. Because, first of all, he's, he's not only out, he's outmatched in the acting department, which, or he's outmatched in the acting department, but he's also just outmatched, I mean, everybody's just like a heavyweight around him. And he's, he's from, he, he's a multiple martial arts guy, right? He's from like a, He's one of those guys, he's right? UFC. Right, UFC. Right, and, and, but, I mean, I mean, it was just, he's there, and I was like, who is this? Well, when, when the film, I didn't even, I mean, I was like, oh, right, it's Randy Couture, and then he's just, I, I would have preferred if he played a mute, basically. I think that would have worked better for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they gave that role to Jeff Lee. Yeah, but well, I also, I would have, uh, I would have I would have swapped out Bruce Willis's cameo for Michael B. Gazzo, of course. Yeah, that would be cool. What's he, what's he drinking, Bonnie? Drinking uh, what's he drinking? She just champagne cocktails. Bonnie Ross said this, and uh, Bonnie Ross said that. <laughs> well, actually, that was the discussion that we had about putting Michael D. Gazzo into The Stepfather for no reason when I mentioned oh, I was watching it the other night. And uh, I, I, I think uh, who I think it was Renny that did Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, where were, oh, yeah, Michael D. Gazzo. Yeah. If he, he showed up in the stepfather, he didn't play anyone in the stepfather. I just thought it would be funny if he was like the cranky neighbor. I mean, who neighbor. would he have played? He would have played who, who, the like, cranky neighbor. Oh, okay, like just an ass door. And then Jerry Blake would have murdered his ass for being an ass. And he would have said he doesn't sudden an impact. Uh, and, and real quick, how about we just mention the Leviathan theme birthday party? It was Mike's birthday two days ago, right? Or yeah, was it yesterday? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Friday. R okay, right. Well, happy birthday, Mike. Once again. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Happy but birthday. yes, the Leviathan-themed birthday party. It, it, and I think it was you, Doctor, that mentioned hiring Meg Foster for a couple hours only to get punched in the face by the uh, birthday boy. Yes, yes, that was my idea. Thank you. Yeah, and, and, and I, I feel like I'm telling David, and they live. And, and well, no, no one commented on my Richard Crenna filled with Twizzlers. I, 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 just a Richard Crenna Pinata filled with Twizzlers, I think, would have been a highlight of the evening as well. Yeah, and um, also the discussion of whether Ernie Hudson would survive the evening. And you wanted him to, right? Because he doesn't. Yeah, move. I wanted him to. He kind of adjusted to die. That's the only negative thing I can think about about the movie. I mean, he makes it all the way to the end, and oh, come on, that's just too weak. Well, because he said, wait, he said that um, 
the, the reason that happened, somebody, I don't know who it was, mentioned that the reason that Ernie Hudson doesn't survive till the end of Leviathan was because Peter Weller was afraid that people would think he had a bigger dick or something. I, I mean, I, I think I'm paraphrasing, but it was some something to do with Peter Weller having penis envy about Ernie Hudson, and that's why Ernie Hudson doesn't make it to the end of the movie. Well, it would be fitting because then uh, uh, Ernie Hudson would say, Peter, this is not time for dick measuring. <laughs> Sounds erotic. We've got another caller here. Shall I jump to them? Uh, yes, yes. I'm going to keep you on as well, so we're, we'll keep all five of you here. Here we go. Who's here from the 406? This is uh, Kane424. Hey, how's it going, man? Oh, yeah, yeah, cool, man. Sure. yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just thought I'd pipe in a little bit, and the uh, definitely with the Leviathan thing, Ernie Hudson's death is bullshit. I, but uh, it yeah. pretty much is. It, it well, it is. It's all the way through. You're like, actually, the one character that anybody really wants to see get out of there is him. Like, I don't even care if Peter Roller died and whatever her other name is. Oh, come died. on. You want a man to pace to die? Hey, hey. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to die, but I don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, there was only two girls down there, her and Lisa Eelwalker, and sadly her and her pair got killed. Oh, wait, she killed herself. I'm... Yeah, well, you know what? She, I liked her more. And that, that girl had this more depressing death. Yeah, and uh, and uh, she was the one that Daniel Stern used the white legs comment against her was used towards him, right? Yeah, when he when he comes in, he's like he comes in in a bathrobe and he's like fun talking about fun, and then she's like, ooh, look at those white legs. <laughs> <laughs> like like anybody gets a tan down there. Yeah, <laughs> Leviathan is the only exactly. film where um, the monster of the film comes out of a vodka bottle. <laughs> it's the little yeah. demon. Oh. I think I think they get close with the uh, the tequila demon or whatever in Poltergeist. But yes, I was about to say that. I was about to say that it, it's uh, the the demon in the, in the tequila bottle from Poltergeist that um, that Craig T. Nelson then vomits. I, I think yep. that that tops Leviathan in a way. Just the, the fact that he drinks the tequila and then vomits the demon. For me, that's 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 a little that, that's got it on 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 the life and just coming out of a vodka bottle. But that's all right. <laughs> Can I share uh, an inter a very sad anecdote from my childhood? Um, we used to play Leviathan, the game with GI Joe figures. We we would play Leviathan with GI Joe figures and the um, and the trash compactor monster. That's how much <laughs> we like Leviathan. <laughs> this is not solely for our entertainment. No, this is 100% true, and, and then the Wampa made a guest appearance once, and we used to videotape these things. <laughs> and we... And, and, well, we tried that too, but the, I'm just... I, I cannot believe I'm allowed to live in society having played... Like, I had all the, all the options in the world, and I played Leviathan. Well, we should Leviathan. The kids next door played Lord, Lords of the Deep, but that was their problem. <laughs> yes. At least and who was nobody playing? played Doomstar 6, because that just would have uh, been not playing with your action figures, because nothing happens in that movie. Yep. Miguel Ferrer explodes. I can't raise that enough. Miguel Ferrer explodes in Doomstar 6. I understand I agree, that, but it's not the movie. superior underwater monster film starring a cast member of Robocop from 1989. Isn't uh, Tarn Black in that, too? The guy from uh, Hill Street Blues or whatever? Yes, and you, you mentioned that when I asked you whether you preferred Leviathan or Deep Star 6, and you said, duh, fuck Torn Black. <laughs> 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 Which I, so, wait, of course, laughed hysterically at. <laughs> but, but going back to the mixed Leviathan G.I. Joe game, I just want to know who was Peter Weller. Was it Duke or was it Dusty? I, need, I, need I actually... the. In, in tune with the complete lunacy of the entire thing, I think it was Snow Job, which, which makes no sense. If I, I mean, that would be a good McCready f figure, but, but, but unfortunately, for some reason, I think we had burned all of the Caucasian uh, 
hairless <laughs> men. You played the thing. <laughs> I did, but not twice. I actually just played uh, huh. the thing in real life. <laughs> what I think we'd all also like to play is uh, Ricochet with our action figures. <laughs> with your wife's well, pubic there, there hair. there should be Ricochet action figures. We brought this up in the thread. They should exist. There should be... They should you know, exist. There's going to be like four different variations of John Lithgow's character. Well, you I mean, it's probably, if, if they have one of those like uh, twelve-inch ones, they can talk. That'd be nice too. But uh, but just uh, I mean, but just action figures of like the different variations of John Lithgow, and you know, you, you've got to have one of Denzel in his underwear. Uh, I, I think well, I, I think that a whole line of Ricochet action figures would be a hot seller. Is it a Wagner figure? That, that would have to be there. But it would be that a limited edition there. You have to mail in for it. Yeah, you have to mail in for Lindsay Wagner. I was just going to say, who would you have to mail in for in the Ricochet action figure line? Crunch, you have to mail it in. Um, <laughs> that would be the translucent Lithgow. That is. <laughs> I would only own the Desk Ventura one. Washington, where he's going crazy at he's putting lipstick on there, with his company with his little TV remote. Well, I just want the true Aryan Warriors playset that comes with Aryan <laughs> Warrior uh, Blake and Aryan Warrior Kowalski. And you can press a button and it plays that Star Trek amok time type music that Alan Silvestri uh, composed for that scene. Well, that, that's on the playset itself, right? Because it would have to be, you, you have to put them on the base and then you press the button on the playset and, you know, yeah. then it would play the music. That's yeah. awesome. It sounds like an unused Predator score. Well, I think some the of the Silver Ricochet is pretty good. Uh, like, it, it's, it's definitely one of those um, underrated scores. When I think it was Elvis when the thread asked uh, about movies that, that uh, are not very good but have good scores. Obviously, I wasn't going to say Ricochet because Ricochet is a fantastic film. But, um, but you know, I, I suppose that maybe the score is better than the movie. You know, I, I don't know. Not a knock on Ricochet, okay? I love it. But uh, it has it does have a fantastic musical score, I do think. It does. Like one of Sylvester's best. It's also I Russell, Russell Mulcahy's finest hour. All right, here's what we're doing. Yeah, we're, we're, we're entering the home stretch here. I'm going to, I'm going to, a bit of a fond adieu to our, our two callers. Thank you guys so much for calling in. I'm going to take it down to the core here the la the, for the last 15 minutes or so. Um, and uh, I figured, first, I want to set you guys up with a question. Um, it is kind of like a return to form for a lot of, you know, there's been a few theatrical B-movies of late, you know, with Predators and Expendables and uh, Machete. I wanted to get your take uh, on those three films, and, can, you know, and, 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 and did they help, did they hurt, what do they represent moving forward? Before you start, well, sorry, I just want to say one thing. Please don't spoil Machete for me. I have not seen it. Um, it hasn't opened here yet. It opens in October, and I will be seeing it. But I have seen. I mean, go ahead and talk about it. Just you know, try to avoid spoilers that are too like heavy. Okay, I will. Um, I will not spoil the film by saying Danny Trejo uses no facial cream products in the story. No, not. <laughs> also, uh, it ha it just what you thought about the insane cast. It's everything you expected. But uh, I want to start by saying Predators. It was. Kind of a letdown for me. I hated Lawrence Fishburne. Hated Lawrence Fishburne. I thought I thought he weighed down the film ungodly. Just just everything he said sounded like this absolute macho bullshit that would never fly in the original film or even Predator Two. And uh, that was one of my major complaints. And you know, it just it, it just didn't click for me. Wait, but Mike, I'm going to be Siskel here, okay? I'm, I'm going to be Siskel to your Ebert, because here's the thing. Um, like, people had talked shit about Predators before I got a chance to see it. And I, when I went to the... So I went to see it, whatever, with really low expectations. But, um, no, I actually thought it was pretty good. I, I was... Um, I mean, I thought it, it, it was one of those throwbacks. It really did feel like they were definitely trying to give it the 80s vibe. Um, I, oh, yeah, it I wasn't agree. Sylvester that did the music, but, but uh, so, so whoever did the music, was it, was it Brian Tyler? Was it... Was one uh, of those John, guys, but, but, John Debney. Oh, okay, John Debney. Right. And he did a very Sylvester-ish like, score, obviously. And, and wait, but specifically about the Fishburne character, okay, which you didn't like, I thought 
he looked like he stepped out of an 80s movie. I mean, it was it was definitely uh, delivered. I mean, there was something about it that was just he looked. He seemed like to be the one who who was like I'm I'm in an 80s movie here, and so he's got this really ridiculous dialogue, and he's all like really over the top. And I, I actually love fish burning movies. Uh, but there were things I, I liked about Predators a lot. I loved Walton Goggins, who I know pretty much everybody in the thread gave high marks to in it. Uh, Adrian Brody was surprised, but also compared to the way we all thought he be in the beginning. Yeah, he, he really uh, held his own. Yeah, he and and he did the Batman voice, of course. But, uh, yeah. but it, he and the thing is, I okay. Here's the thing. I, I Adrian Brody is an action hero. I'm like, mm, I don't know. The movie comes out, and he actually acquitted himself quite well. It was a little bit, you know, too much of <laughs> all the time. But 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 other than that, I mean, uh, he he was good. He was actually quite good. Yeah, I was. I'd see I was watching hearing one called Sally at the end. I must admit. <laughs> yeah. I kind of nerded out when that happened. It, it just for me, Long Tall Sally just felt out of place. At first, I thought it was because I saw the movie twice. I saw it the first time, and I thought, "Hey, you know, that's a pretty good callback." And then the second time around, I saw it, it just felt out of place in the movie for me at the end. Like it's just tacked on for us people who are fans of the movie. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I agree with you, Ronnie. I, I don't think that uh, they should have used it in the closing credits. It was it was cool to put it in, but they should have put it in somewhere else. Yeah. It, sort of, it does kind of take you out of the movie for the closing credits. And it has this kind of dramatic ending, and then, you know, it, it moves into Long Tall Sally, and you're sort of like, what? It just, it just doesn't feel right for the for the movie itself. Yeah. Uh, we already talked plenty about The Expandables, but, yeah, it's right. definitely one of um, uh, uh, definitely a, a throwback. And I, I do hope that Stallone... Uh, gets more. I don't know. I don't want to say more money because I don't. I don't know if I want a slicker sequel. I would like uh, a sequel that feels just as crude and raw as an '80s film as this one did. But I he had too much money with with the Expendables. Actually, they just didn't. It just didn't go to the screen. It went to the actors. Yeah, okay. they, yeah spent, they spent a lot of money on that movie. Surprisingly, yeah, yeah. It's like eighty million or something like this, right? Like yeah. But. I do hope that he maintains that look and that style to it. I hope he doesn't try to slick it up and make it all look. I mean, I hope that it, it's, it maintains that raw style to it, but I do hope he gets a chance to work with, like, Seagal and Van Damme and all those guys that, that, that didn't get to be in the first one. And, and, I, mean, and I hope Van Damme comes to his senses. And Randy Couture can be in it just as long as he's, like, killed off horribly in the first, like, during the opening credits. Like, what, before the opening, before the company logo appears, just have a shot of, like, Randy Couture blowing up into a million pieces, and then we begin. That would be fine. Actually, it'd be fine if Randy Couture's character just gets punched in the voice box at the beginning and is rendered speechless. And he, he looks good. He looks good, and, and, he, and he means well, but, yeah, he doesn't really fit the mold. We actually have two other people on hold. Do you want to give them a shot in the last ten minutes here? Yeah, why not? Let's do that. All right. All right. Got somebody from 917. Who is this? 917 Evil. This is uh, Duke Fleet. Fantastic. Duke. Holy shit, Duke. 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 I, I Duke. did not get on the podcast at the beginning. I goofed. I should have called before the show started. Well, here you are now. G.I. Joe would dare. Absolutely. And honestly, show Kasugi... Forget Van Dam. I'd like to see him in The Expendables too. I like it. He had been worked on. I don't think in 20 years until he did. He was a ninja assassin as the right. bad guy. I'm I think before of, that, but but he was, is clearly more 80s than Van Dam ever could be. Yes, I definitely agree with that. He's a lot more 80s. The Van Damme, I think, represents the 90s a lot more. Because Van Damme really didn't get his big break till the 90s. Well, I would, uh, I, I would use uh, Kasugi as a villain, and I would set the film in Japan. Hmm. Film in Japan. Film in Japan. In Japan. Hmm. So are you suggesting I that if I they do it in Japan, Japan, we... I think we that would like be a black good place rain to set it type thing going. Don't get me excited about black Japan, rain. You could have yakuza and all that changes uh, <laughs> and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And you know, speaking of black rain, the Fifth Commandment with Rick Dune, which came out last year, and Bokeem Woodbine, and 
Keith David, that movie is just like almost a, a straight homage. It's not a remake. This is a straight homage to Black Rain. I haven't seen it. Would you recommend it, Ryan? Oh, I would definitely recommend it. Okay, I'm going to look it up then. Yeah, the, the Fifth Commandment was a surprisingly good action movie. I don't know who mentioned it on the board. I think it was Bones of Dante. Somebody had mentioned it. This was like last year, and they were just raving about uh, how good it was for a direct-to-video movie. And I rented it from the Great Red Box, which is down the street from me. And I, I, mean, I came away really impressed with it for being a direct-to-video movie. And you can tell it's a little starring vehicle for Rick Yoon since he wrote the script, too. But it was the, I had to turn it was a good movie, and then I see all these, like, little uh, homages to Black Ring, which I don't know if they were intentional or not, but it just, I, I would say it's really, really worth at least a look. Hey, let me ask the, let me ask the group here. Is Black Rain a B-movie? Because it's kind of on the cusp to me. It's a B-movie with an A-list director, cast, and budget. I that, that's that's a lot of movies, I guess, because technically so is Die Hard. Uh, um, but I no, think actually, Black Rain, I, think, I, think, I don't know if everybody... I mean, Douglas is kind of perennial, but I think Ridley Scott wasn't... I mean, like, he, I don't think he was there. I mean, he, he was so hit and miss... Uh, well, at least financially. I mean, I, I think it almost is kind of like a, a sneak attack B-movie. Well, well the, the, the film is definitely, it's yeah. got tons of that in it. Um, you know, but where was Ridley Scott's career at when he did Black Rain? Did he, was this just after somebody to watch over me? No, it was later than that, but I don't know where it was in relation to, it was before White Squall, which was obviously was, a failure. It was I'm looking it up. before right. Coleman Louise. Okay, Thelma Louise was his big comeback. I mean, that was his big comeback. That was his big comeback. Right. And then so 1492 kind of put him back. Yeah. Right. It, it, and it, us as a race. Black Rain. Black Rain is from 89, so that's probably the movie he did right before Thelma Louise. That was in 91. And Black Rain's also interesting in that it was Douglas' uh, first post-Oscar movie. But it, and it didn't do very well, right? Like when it when it came out, it's 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 it was not a big hit, right? Black no. Rain. We love it, but I mean, it was not a it was not a huge hit. It was yeah, the, it, well, was, it, it was Kate Capshaw's fault. No, it wasn't. maybe. Ah. <laughs> well, but there was no nude scene or sex scene, and and the fact that Michael Douglas is in the movie makes that surprising. But then Ridley Scott can't direct sex scenes to save his life, so you know maybe it's better off that way. Yeah, well. Uh, Ridley Scott's sex scene will always be better than the shower sex scene in Specialist. <laughs> Disgustingly <laughs> uncomfortable. And to think Stallone got his start in porn. Well, they hated each other. Like they hated each other. Those two on set, and 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 they were, you know, they were at that point. They were probably near the end of the shoot when they did that, and they wanted nothing to do with each other. I'm going to bring in one of the caller and let this whole group ride it out for the next six minutes from the two five three area code. Who's this? Uh, this is Tyler Faulkner. Okay, you guys hey, have at it. You got you got six minutes of glory. Hey, Tyler. You guys to, uh, yeah, uh, hey, what's up? I heard you guys were talking about, you know, like, uh, what does it mean to have B-movies in theaters? Like, what do you what do you guys think it would be like if we actually got uh, Universal Soldier 4 in 3D, like, next year? I would flip. I would be doing backflips. <laughs> <laughs> with Hines directing and uh, Lundgren back and Van Damme back, no, I think that would be that would be an event movie uh, at mm -hmm. this point. If it if it's any anywhere near the quality of uh, of regeneration, except with like snazzy 3D effects, and they've got to be the really cheesy kind of like shit popping out at you, and I mean it has to be like that. Not like oh we're using 3D for the storytelling. No, I mean I, I want you know stuff flying at the screen and just like shit blowing up and uh, like, I, I want to feel like I'm in an amusement park ride I want to watch Universal I want Soldier I want 3D effect of Lundgren's head hole <laughs> if, if they want to repeat the um, the, well yeah okay they want to repeat the comeuppance yeah that, that would work just, just, uh, the, or have the character just be that way now with like this giant pole sticking out of his head <laughs> oh yeah like the, that old Saturday Night Live skit with Dana Harvey massive head wound carry <laughs> Yeah, maybe they could put uh, Christina Hendricks as the Universal Soldier. Have her in 3D. And the, uh, that, that, oh, that would be a definite oh, plus, right, Ronnie? Oh, yeah, definitely, I mean. <laughs> to see her in 3D, I'll pay the extra money for that twice. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> uh, 
uh, amazing script ideas coming to uh, fruition now. <laughs> Mammary Warriors. <laughs> Starring Christina Hendricks and Katy Perry. But I, I wouldn't want to be in that theater because like, I, I, we have Renny like, sticking his hands up at the screen all the time, and I don't know if I could deal with that. But then there's also Charles Napier in the film. Uh, Stephen Lang, I believe, is the general aligned with the Memory Warriors. Am I right? Yeah, yeah and Sana Kotick and Michelle Rodriguez. And I think that's really and, uh, and Robert Bill is the president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The idea of Robert Wool as a president just makes it, it turns it into an apocalyptic film. Uh, oh. no, because Robert Wool's cool. Robert Wool is well, let, let you, Why don't you yeah. keep that little secret to yourself? I'm <laughs> I, I mean, I was also thinking, like, um, with the Expendables, you know, making a lot of money and stuff, and it's like, do you think um, B-movies can get any bigger than they are right now? Like, do you think uh, Universal Soldier would be a step up, or do you think it's basically like a holding pattern? Well, it's a step up for any of the PG-13 shit that's in theaters now. Yes. <laughs> and and look, if they get some high on that, you know we're going to get so much old-school action. <laughs> I don't know um, is there anything else that you guys are looking forward to for the rest of the year? Because I was looking at the uh, upcoming releases, and, like, the only two things that really jumped out at me were Red and Faster. Well, Red, uh, I'm have to... That looks like it's going to be a good time. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing that on, I'm seeing that on Thursday, and I've heard bad things. Really? So which one? About Red. Yeah, I'm not... Really? No. Yeah, I've heard bad. I'm one of the best trailers from the old man. The trailer actually looks pretty good. It does. It's that's really really it was really decent. Yeah. One of the best I, trailers I had, I had zero interest in Red until I saw the trailer, and then that just... Same here. Mind. It has, like, this grumpy old man meets the 18 vibe that I absolutely <laughs> love. Mm -hmm. Right, that's exactly... It's and and you get to see uh, Malkovich, who seems to be playing, like, an action <laughs> version of his character from Burn After Reading. Most amazing yeah. is that uh, Ernest Borgnine is in it. That's just crazy. That's incredible. Yeah, right. in anything now. We have uh, we have two minutes left. Um, uh, I want to ask you guys if you guys want to make this a uh, recurring thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So work that out and, and, and let me know. Uh, for callers, I really appreciate you calling in, especially you, Duke Fleet. It's good to know that you have a, that you're not a cyborg. Oh, uh, I'm very really well glad to admit I'm but, not a but he called in. It's a great. pleasure to talk to you. A pleasure to be involved in this. Uh, it was wonderful. To the greatest you. website ever, chat.com. Well, I will give you a big hug when I meet you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disconnect you now and let us uh, ride this thing out to the end. Thanks again for calling in, everybody. Um, I think I think you guys have uh, have proven that, uh, that the B-movie list deserves its own section on Chud, I think. Oh, thanks so much, Nick. That's amazing. Yes, Nick, you're the man. <laughs> I'm one and of many. I, well, you're the man because I laughed so hard at your runaway article. I was that <laughs> like I lost it reading that. I've been I've been but, ripping a lot of my favorite old movies, but not not out of any real hate. Just out of you know, like Sword and the Sorcerer and Runaway. They're still you know very important movies, but. It's kind of fun. It's I, I more fun to goof with them than it is to take them too seriously. I need to know because uh, Rennie won the Graboid with benefits. If uh, who's going to review the rookie? The the Charlie Sheen rookie? Yes. I didn't know we. I don't know. That's why I, I love that movie. I, I, oh, seven, I, I love that movie. Thank you. You are on team. I guess it would be team Rennie technically, right? Because yeah. What do you want me yeah. to fax it to you? Come on, let's go. Fucking Charlie Sheen is in platform. Yeah, you take that and Terminal Velocity and you put them together. I think that pretty much uh, is the only is the only DVD most most folks would need. Uh, well, I, I do roll Julie's Julie's Clint Eastwood gets raped in that movie. Yes, he does. It's a beautiful thing. And you know, I almost an amazing scene. full price for the Blu-ray last night with the Best Buy gift card. Okay, so it's on Blu ray now. Yeah. Yeah, it's on Blu ray. All right, I, I'm going to Fry's today and buying it, and I will run a review of it on Seriously? I, I Absolutely. know it was on Blu ray. I'm, I'm definitely going to Blu ray. Great. All right, we'll do a guide search track now.
Yeah, we are we are we are out of time. Thank you so much for taking the time. We will do this as often Thank as you. you guys are able to. Thank and, you. Thank you. Thank Keep it going, gents. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. There. And that is the end of Thanks. your show. Thanks,